13. <clears throat> you guys, <clears throat> y'all just going to have to bear with me for a week or so till I get the pipes cleared out, but feels like I hadn't spoken in a year. I've only missed, what, six weeks? No, just two. <clears throat> I know that this is the Sunday before Valentine's 14th, but I'm saving the family message until the week of the 25th because that's the week before, two days before my wife and I have been married 80 years. I mean, excuse me, 41 years. <clears throat> and uh, she asked me, Last night, she said, how long have we been married? I said, 39. She said, you can't add or subtract. And I said, oh, 18, 77, yeah, 41. So uh, how many people have been married over 41 years in the house today? Raise your hand. All right. We're brave people. <laughs> and, uh, and there are people still getting married. That's what amazes me. And, and it's a cool thing as long as you know what you're doing. The problem is nobody knows what they're doing. And so that's why I have to preach messages that make you guys feel uncomfortable. Believe me, every time I preach a message on the home and the wife and the hu- it makes me feel uncomfortable too. Because don't think I fully arrived. My wife can stand up and vouch for all that. But uh, I can sound good. And uh, there are times at home I sure don't do right, and I'm not that great, uh, but I try. But we're going to deal with uh, the heart of the Word of God, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, we begin, let's read first of all verse 13. There are three things. Let me just get, there are three things that will endure. Let me explain that. There are a whole lot of things that ain't going to last. Your marriage ain't going to last because you're going to die. You're not going to last, but you will live forever. Your jobs don't last. Some of you have had cars. I've heard testimonies where accidents in cars and some of you have your homes broken into and and, and, and you have all kind of weird stuff happen and, and your houses burn down and sometimes they don't burn down when they should have burned down. It just all kind of weird stuff happens in life, right? And, and we just got to go through that. But there are three things that are going to last all the way into eternity. Paul says it's faith, hope, and what? And love. I'm convinced that we know very little bit about love. We just don't. You try. But I'm going to tell you what, unless you meet love, and unless love is deposited inside of you, you're going to find out what the opposite of love is. You're going to find out what the opposite of heaven is. So, God makes a wonderful investment in us when we get saved. The only problem is some of us are just dumb. We're slow to learn. 
You see, I believe today we need to understand and focus on why love is the greatest. It's the New Living Translation or, or the John 3.16 in the New Living Translation, basically in all of them, says, For God so loved the world. Now, I heard half of Josh's sermon last Sunday. I didn't get to finish it. Got all interrupted all week. But God loved the world. You want to tell, you, you want me to tell you the highest, the most spiritual that any of us could ever get between us and God is your ability to love sinners, not saints, sinners. That's who God sent Jesus to die for, and thank God he did. Now, that doesn't give you a right to be, oh, I thank God I'm a sinner. No, you ought to feel bad you're a sinner. You ought to feel bad when you sin. If you're saved. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. But anyone who does not love does not even know God. For God is love. That's why it's the greatest. That's who God is. And since God loved us so much by sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice to take away our sins, we surely ought to love one another. Now, that cruise ship last week, my wife said, what do you think about that? I thought that's the craziest thing I'd been on in a long time. I, I just realized what a bubble I live in. I see craziness around here, believe me. I, I see it. But it ain't like it was all 3,000 on that boat. That's the craziest place I've ever been in my life. But let me tell you something that I did see. I didn't see any Americans hardly working on that boat. They were from all over the world. They worked nine months out of a year. And they get one day off every, I think it was 15 weeks or something to that. Five weeks, they get one day off. And they have to work every day on that ship whether they're sick or not. Let me tell you, I, 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 was, I was sick most of the time going down. But I never saw any of those people with not a smile on their face And when I left that ship, I felt like they wanted me to come back. Now, it's going to take more than their smiles probably to get that. It's going to take a little time between me and and my motion sickness and all that stuff. But you know what? They've learned how to make people feel wanted. Why does the church not do that? If you say God is in you and God is love, then why do people walk out of churches and possibly walk out of this church and say, they nobody spoke to me. Everybody spoke to me on that boat. That was paid people. You mean tell me we got to pay people 
to be friendly and to be loving and kind. You know what would blow the door off of most churches and they would never even have to have a wonderful evangelistic program is if the church just fell in love with people. You see, we look for more reasons from James 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and all these other passages to detach ourselves from people because, by God, we're spiritual. We surely don't want to be around anybody that might be greedy or drunk. We don't want to be around anybody that might be sinful. Well, thank God Jesus didn't think that way because he died for your sorry soul. He came to give you all he could give you. And all we give back sometimes is self-righteousness and criticism. And we give back critique. And we want to try to straighten everybody out. Why don't you let God do that? And straighten your own self out. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Man, love is very powerful. Very powerful. If you were to take your Bible and you were to go through and find the words for love, you'd find three predominant Greek words for love. What are they? Agape, eros, and philia. Well, you've heard that preached enough. You got that. We got the knowledge. We can't express it. We want to run everybody through our long nose of critique. I'm going to tell you something. Spiritual people, I'm talking about people that are connected with God, connected with Jesus. They love people. They don't love to detach from them. They love to see them get right. And, they, and get hold and, and grow and get saved. You see, all of us should have that romantic type love. Proverbs 5. I debated where to read that. And, you know, there's just some passages in the Bible that when you read them, if you know what I'm saying, it's embarrassing. But I'm going to embarrass you anyway. Proverbs 5.13. I ain't going to get down today. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Quit. I had somebody ask me, show me in the Bible where it says you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. All right, dummy. Here it is. You keep trying to say, yeah, I got a need. Well, sure, you'll always have a need. Sometimes I got a need to shoot you, but I don't go shoot you. Raise kids. You'll know all about murder in your mind. Don't kill your kids. Why spill the waters of your springs in public having sex with just anyone? 
I'm not going to dissect that or exegete that. You do that on your own. You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be the fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving doe and a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you, men. Always. Get your eyes off the others. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, with an immoral woman? You want to know why? No, I ain't going to meddle. But I should. Doggone it, women. If you don't want men looking at you, then quit dressing like you want somebody to look at you. I said I wouldn't say that. Or embrace the breast of an adulterous woman. Why? Why do that? We are to be in love with our mates. You would be if you knew anything about love. Now, I grant you that passionate love is romantic love. It's sexual, and there ain't a thing wrong with it as long as you're married. I had a preacher tell me one time, it doesn't matter how you do it. If you're swinging from a chandelier, if you can do it and have fun, not kill yourself, do it. But anything outside of marriage is wrong. And it ain't love. You hear me? God didn't design us to be that way. It, the scripture is full of stuff like this. They ain't none of you going to listen, but at least I said it. Filio is a relational love. It is a sincere love. It is a brotherly love. It's the type of love that I would lay down my life for anyone in here to keep you. Or to see that you might get saved. It's to, it's to lay down my life for somebody. Hey, look, I know what that kind of love's like. You too. How many grandparents I got in here? I got a bunch of them. Now, I'm going to tell you something, my friend. I've learned a new kind of love. It, I, it's, a, it's a strong sometimes. My kids get mad at me because I can't see the wrong they do. Now, I haven't fully understood that, that verse in depth where love covers a multitude of sins. But I can tell you what, there's a lot of wrong I don't see in my grandkids, and I know there's a lot of wrong goes on. I saw it in my kids. I didn't miss much. But it's a different kind of love. And they'll never understand that love until you have grandkids. I love my grandkids. And, and, and I love them. I, I, was, I, can't, I can't explain it. It's just a love that I have. Man, if my wife and I loved, if we loved everybody like we love our grandkids, I'm telling you what, this church, we'd have to build another one. And then there's agape love, sacrificial love. It's a type of love that is from God. It's the kind of love God has for you. It's, it's uh, well, Paul says it's loving without strings attached. It's loving without keeping a record of wrongs. How many of you right now have a long list against somebody? And you know who I'm talking about. I don't, but you do. And you're going, oh, Lord, he knows it. He knows it. He knows it. He's been at my house this week. No, I ain't. 
But I know what, it, what it's like to have a list against somebody. And that's not love. That's not agape love. Paul says you will not keep a record of wrong. How many of you husbands and wives already have a long list of things? Not, to, not things to do, but what you got against one another. And there are needles in the haystack. And there are they're, they're, they're obstacles. And there are problems. And you can't discuss it. And if you get on that subject, whoa! Man, it just explodes. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? The unresolvables. The unsolvables. And you like to stay off of them. Men don't like to get near them. And then when the wives get irritable, here we go. It's coming back. You guys say, ah, man, I don't want to talk about this. Because you don't know what to do with it. 1 Corinthians, Paul said, 14.1, let love be your highest goal. Psychiatrists tells us, tell us that man has three great needs. The need to be wanted, the need to be needed, and the need to be loved. Everybody needs to be loved. It's sad, but people come throughout churches all out through this land, and they walk around in crowds, and, and man, all they want is just to somebody love them. Now, I want to say with all my heart that I love every, even though I don't know all of you, I love every one of you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to pay your power bill every time you turn around. That doesn't mean I'm going to bail you out of trouble. If my kids end up, now my grandkids, but if my kids end up in jail, I'll go visit them, but I ain't bailing them out. Because they got there for a reason. They need to learn what that reason is and get over it. Amen? Some of you mothers sitting here, no, no, no. Well, I won't go there either. But I'll tell you this. We all have an innate. We want to be loved. And I want to be able to express. I hope that when I preach that you feel because I sometimes I feel like I'm being tough. And, and maybe some of you say, you ain't being too tough enough. But you know what? I want you to know I love you. And I'll go, the, I'll go the extra mile with you. I may not always make you happy, but I love you. I came to Covington because of love that I, I knew God wanted me to share with you. And I love you because God loves you. And God is in me. And he wants to know he cares about you. And he feels your pain. And he knows you're hurting. But God will let you grow up too. And sometimes he gets quiet. Well, I'm going to try. It probably won't happen. <clears throat> but I have five reasons why, Paul, or at least Paul does, from the Bible, why love so important. Number one, without love, all that I say, is inefficient. Look at verse 1. And though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, and I've become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. The New Living Translation says, If I could speak any language, any language in heaven of angels, heavenly languages, and, or human languages on earth, but don't love others, I'm, I would only be making a meaningless noise and a clanging cymbal. Now look. Not everybody's going to speak in tongues. Some do. And don't, 
it's unloving for you when we know that the Bible talks about these things. What we're afraid of, we don't want to discuss or we don't want to touch and we make up some excuse. Or when someone can see things and see, uh, see certain things or they're a little bit different, we want to just excommunicate them because they're different. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not love. But I'll tell you this, love is when we take all of us together, the spiritual, Paul calls them carnal, natural, and spiritual. And, and, and we put them all together and we're in the big pot and we're loving one another. And, and listen, this is why we do it. The whole church shouldn't be at one level and solid rock is not. Because we're supposed to be helping one another. We're supposed to be leading one another. We're supposed to be discipling one another and showing people what God's doing in our lives. That's what it's all about. Yes, you're going to hear about sin from this pulpit. And yes, you're going to hear about the love of God from this pulpit. And and no, I'm not afraid to speak on it. But we love you. We don't want you sinking. We don't want you uh, spiritually floundering. But we're going to tell you what God says. And it takes a long time to get there because I only preach one time a week. And so we have to rely on other people to teach the word. But I see people... In, in the, and during the week of the, connected to this church that are hurting, that are broken, that, that, that are incomplete, and all they need is loving words. They need to know that you care. Second of all, without love, Paul says, all knowledge or all that we know is incomplete. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I knew all mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything but didn't love others... In other words, if, if I'm going to claim that I can take the book of the Revelation, ooh, I wish I could, and, and spell out the ten toes in the, in the, and the beast and, and talk about all of the, the horns and the heads and, and talk about the dragon and the great tribulation, and there's some of that stuff I kind of understand, but that alone will not make any of us spiritual. Even the spiritual gifts don't make you spiritual. The church of Corinthians was missing that. They didn't have love. They didn't love one another. I know all what it means to get close to God and to be in commune. And God said, Mike, I want you to be holy. Mike, I want you to have a pure heart. And I want you to have a pure mind. And God would speak to me. He says, Mike, I want you to tell the lost and tell them that, that I'm coming back and, and tell them that they need to get themselves right with you. But God does that not out of a wrathful heart. He does that after a, a loving heart because he cares about you. That steroid pack's kicking in. Not a six-pack, steroid pack. Butch, did that make sense? Steroids, right? Predazone, not... Okay. I want to make sure I didn't say the wrong thing there. Knowledge, spiritual gifts is not enough. Without love, you're way short. 
Somebody said, I'd rather listen to my grandmother in the, who was in the backwoods, who had, bro, did not, couldn't speak proper English, and tell me about the Word of God to be in a classroom with a Ph.D. who didn't believe in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, there's people teaching the Word of God all throughout this land, and we've been learning that on Wednesday night, that don't believe even in the resurrection of Jesus. Well, my friend... Knowledge is good. We need to study the Bible. We need to read the Word of God. We need to know what God's will is for our life, and that's the Word of God. We need to know what's right from wrong. And you're not going to learn it from the world. You have to learn it from God's Word. If you're not reading it, you'll never learn it. And you'll never grow. Thirdly, without love, all I believe in is insufficient. He said, if I had the gift of faith to speak unto a mountain to be moved and it be moved, that's some good faith. How many of you got some mountains right now facing you right in your life? You know what a mountain is? It's an obstacle. You got any obstacles in your life? I don't. Raise your hand. You got obstacles in your life? Well, get honest with God. You don't have to get honest. You can lie to me. But at least be honest with God. Hey, look, I got some obstacles. And if I had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, that's what the Bible says, right? I can move mountains. But if I don't have love, why is it that the things that we think that draws us closer to God also separates us from people? The monks are living in the monastery, and I went over, I've been to the monastery, and I go over there, don't speak, they don't talk. You know, they go into chants. You know what? I said, God, am I supposed to be in the monastery? Because if that's what it takes to get close to God, I'm for it. Hey, and whatever, whatever you want me to do, Lord, please do it. Please show me. But he will not show me going to the monastery. Some people do. Why? They don't want to be around the world. Look, I, on that ship, I was uncomfortable because there was some people on there that made me feel uncomfortable. And then God convicted my heart and said, you dummy, why don't you just share me with them? Why don't you take that opportunity around lost people and tell them about me? You know what? That's why the church is dying. We're put right in the middle of the world and we've shut our mouths. We think we're spiritual. We're caught up in our own little spiritual gang and gangs and games, and we ain't telling people about Jesus. And so the church is dying today. Churches are closing their doors. It's because we quit sharing the love of God. Christianity is a lifestyle with Jesus, it's not a religion, it's not a set of rules. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's real faith. And you know what? It doesn't matter if that person's down in the gutter drunk. If you won't share with them, why? You think you're better than they are? You're in a gutter somewhere, I promise you. May not be in the gutter of alcohol or vomit or the gutter of whatever. You're in the gutter of something in your life, and you know it. You're struggling. You want me to just turn my back on you? When you come to my office and say, hey, man, you 
work it out the best you can. You don't want that. You have a need for somebody to need you. And you have a need for God to help show you how to work through the difficult things here in life. We don't need self-righteousness or judgmental spirits. We don't need non-accepting people. We need the same kind of Jesus that looked down on this world and knew that he was going to die, and he was going to die for people that hated him. How many people right now that can you, in your life, you can start hating, and you're mad at them, and you got grudges? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't send you or me? We get mad. We take score. Not Jesus. Oh, yeah, he knows what they are. And, yes, he disciplines us because he loves us. One man over and over again throughout uh, this one pan's ministry heard this man say, you know what? I gave my wife everything she wanted. She had a closet full of clothes. She had a new car to drive. She had a beautiful home to live in. But yet she's leaving me and getting a divorce. What in the world is wrong? (laughs) We guys don't get it. All those things are all right. And you may think that that's going to make your wife happy, but it don't. Because she has a need, and that need has to be met. It's an emotional need. It's an emotional need that she has to feel like she's loved by you. And you can't blow that. Because if you blow that, she's going to leave. Or she's going to be very unhappy. And you know what? You're going to know it. Fifthly, no, fourthly, without love, all I give is insignificant. You know, if I were to give everything I had away, just give it away. Sit down, go home today and say, honey, we're going to take everything we got. We're going to give it away. Can you imagine doing that? Just emptying your bank accounts. Jesus called on a man one time to do that, and he couldn't do it. And, man, he thought he was religious. I have to live this way. My Christian life mandates it. My spiritual life mandates it. If the Lord says, write it all away, then I have to do it. Why? Because it's his already. It's not mine. Just made me a steward of it. And when you die, you'll find out you ain't going to take it with you. But if I give everything away and don't love folk and don't love people, all it is is just stuff. Don't mount enough. It's insignificant. Fifthly, without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. If I were to give my body to be sacrificed and burned for the sake of the gospel and I didn't have love, worthless, inadequate. We can't get around it, can we? You can't say the right stuff. You can't know the right stuff. You can't believe the right stuff, give the right stuff, accomplish the right stuff, unless what? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some people make it difficult to love, and I know that. 
And that's why you have to learn in the biblical realm of life what is called tough love. Still love, it's just tough. But understand this. Relationships are far more important than accomplishments. I am project-driven. And I get, in, I get locked into this stuff, vision-driven. But what's really important is your relationship. The relationship you have with your wife, the relationship with you have your husband. There's nothing except your relationship with Jesus is anything any more important. And then with your kids and then with the world. Don't leave other people out. They need you too. People in this church, we all need one another. And, and I'm telling you, I know we're not all at, 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 at every spiritual level. We're, we can't be. Sometimes I feel like I'm way down here spiritually. And I have to get in my prayer closet and say, Lord, I feel so unworthy. You're doing what I'm doing. I, I feel like a dog, Lord. I don't feel spiritual sometimes. And I know that I love Jesus with all my heart. And I know there's people in here that struggle at all levels. Some of you struggle with it or not, you even say. And you need to settle that. But if you've got sin in your life, I promise you, sin will drive you way away from the love I'm talking about. Got to deal with your sin. There was a young little boy in Chicago who was kind of trudging down the road, and and they had grates then with gas heaters, and it was a cold, rainy day, and he was standing on one, and a man came up and he said, "Son, he said, what are you doing out in this cold weather? His tennis shoes was wore out, holes in it, just looked ragged out." And he says, "I'm going to church." He said, "Where are you going?" He said. <clears throat> I'm going to the Moody Bible Church. And he said, well, man, he said, there's three or four churches between there and Moody Bible Church. Why are you waiting and why are you walking so far to there? Because he said, sir, they like little boys. They're like me. And they show me they love me. You know, it's one thing to look at somebody that may be doing as well as you are. But you take somebody that's ragged out, take a little boy that don't have a whole lot or a family don't have a whole lot, do you love them? You're supposed to. I'll tell you this, Jesus loves them. And he cares. And I know I can preach till I'm blue in the face and I'm fixing to quit to tell you that we need to love one another. But you know, love is something that you can't work up within. It's something that God has to work through you. This is all comes from God through you. And you can either love people, but you'll never work it up. You'll, you'll critique them. 
You'll, you'll, you'll separate yourself from them. But if God's in your heart, you have to love them. And it's not something you should be made to do either. Amen? My prayer is this church will be a church that when the hurting come from out within and we open our doors and we're fixed into, hopefully, through a daycare, that we'll minister to those families and we'll, and we'll minister to you. And, and I know some of you and so many of you are hurting. And honestly, I, I, I probably won't be able to work out your problems, but you know what? God can I've had a bunch of problems in my life, and I'd go to preachers, and they'd give me some good advice, but guess who, who ultimately got me through? Wasn't them. Jesus. And Jesus will get you through. But Jesus, first of all, has to be in your heart. Amen? We have to be born-again believers. We have to be men and women and, 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 and youth and, that have accepted Jesus, and we've, we've brought him into our heart and life through faith. And, and we know that he lives within us. And if he's in you, you've got the love of God in you. And you can be just as mean and honor as you want to be in your flesh. But you don't have to be. You can let Jesus shine through through the Holy Spirit. And you should. Amen? Y'all looking at me like this the first time you ever heard anything like this. Let's stand. Father.